Well, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians, and then we're going to turn to 1 Timothy and then Hebrews 3. I'm going to do something very unique this morning. I've done it before, but all every church member in the church, I want you to really listen this morning. Because I thought, I felt like this might be beneficial since Pastor Andy's gone to speak about this subject, a church's responsibilities to its pastors. Now, you may have never heard this. You may have noticed these verses in the Bible, but you may have never heard a message on it. These are not opinions. These are mandates in Scripture that are binding and authoritative on church members toward their pastors. And church members that walk in these truths, God will honor the church even increasingly. He will bless the church because shepherds that are properly treated well, rightly, will be encouraged. It's often the carnal divisive, judgmental people in the church that give the elders and deacons and officers grief and heartache. So with that being said, let's read these texts. First Timothy, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, and then we'll go to First Timothy. First Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Now, each of these are exhortations to Christians all right, follow with me, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you, that is your leaders, over you in the Lord, those who admonish and exhort you. What are you to do toward them? Verse 12 says you're to know them. Verse 13 and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, their labors. And notice this one, be at peace among yourselves. Let me pause. You know what's the greatest grief in a church to the leaders of the church when the members are bickering and fighting? Linda and I have six children and ten grandchildren. The biggest heartache for parents is when the children don't get along. The biggest heartache for pastors and elders and deacons is when the flock doesn't get along. And the biggest heartache to Jesus Christ is when his children don't love each other and get along. So, and be at peace among yourselves. All right. First Timothy Chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. First Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. For the scripture says, now pause, the, Paul's going to quote here from Deuteronomy, but then he also says something very similar to the Corinthians. Check it out. For the scripture says, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox 
that treads out the corn and the laborer is worthy of his hire or his pay or his reward, his being taken care of. Verse 19, against an elder do not receive an accusation except in, in the presence of two or three witnesses. And that is not your friends gossiping. That's established church leaders. Do not bring an accusation against an elder except in the presence of two or three witnesses. Then in the last chapter of Hebrews, chapter 13, three verses... Verses 7, well, really, verse 7, and then we'll read another one after that. Hebrews 13, 7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. It means imitate. Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now, that's, that's King James language. It means considering, evaluating their manner of living. All right, then skip down to verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, and that's conditional. We'll talk about that later. Because they watch for your souls as those that must give an account in order that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Well, let's, let's pray again and then we'll speak to your hearts. Father, thank you for your word, the eternal word. This is the word of God. It's not the words of just writers of scripture, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit as they were led by you and moved along by you to pen these words so they are binding on us. Use these words today, use this message in the hearts of these saints here. Thank you for this church. Thank you for planting it, Lord, in recent years. Thank you for preserving it. Lord, bless them, I pray, richly this year and the days ahead, and use this message to build up this body of believers for the glory of your name, in Christ's name, amen. You and your pastors and elders. Now, the, the word is you is plural, meaning you as believers who are a member of your the church here. If you happen to be providentially here and you're not a member of this congregation, but you are a believer that's a member of another congregation, this applies equally well to you as your membership. You who are being pastored by elders, one of the Judgments of God upon bad churches is when he removes faithful shepherds and gives them hirelings. And one of the greatest blessings of favor on churches is when he brings true shepherds and elders to a church. So what are your responsibilities as a Christian and as a member of the church toward your pastors? John F. Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States famously said, ask not what your country can do for you. Rather, ask what you can do for your country. So I want you to apply that to yourself as a member of your church. 
Ask not what your pastors and elders can do for you. Rather, ask what you can do for your pastors. So I'm going to tell you this morning what you can do. Under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, your Lord, what you can do for your pastors, week in and week out, month after month, faithfully, year after year, as long as God has you here, what you're to do in terms of your responsibility toward your elders. And you do it not primarily for them, you do it unto Christ. Christ is Lord, you do it unto Him for His glory. What quality, first question I want to ask, what quality of church member are you personally? Think about it. What kind of sheep are you for your shepherds? Toward your shepherds. Now, some of this may be absolutely foreign to you. Maybe you're a new Christian and you've never been in a biblical church and you kind of don't know how to function. You're just on, on the fringe a little bit and you're feeling your way and you're learning. And maybe the big awakening moment is... Oh, that's a neat song. I love that one. Or, you know, that Andy, he really knows how to communicate. But you're just learning, you know. You're a babe. You're growing. Some of this stuff may be too heavy for some of you, but just listen. Because it's right in the Bible. It's right in the New Testament, and it's so wonderful. So, what kind of sheep are you if you are already a sheep? Are you, first category, faithful? Loyal, dependable, exemplary, supportive and loving in the church. Or, second category, are you secretly in your heart and mind judgmental, divisive, suspicious, unforgiving, self-centered, and critical? What kind of member are you? Which describes how you are truly, as a member of the body, consistent or inconsistent, complainer or encourager, critic or edifier. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it one. Critic or you builder up of the church. Gossip or self-controlled and loyal. The responsibilities of pastors are real and serious. You know that. But just as real and just as serious are your responsibilities as a believer in the church of Jesus Christ. So there are six in Scripture. There are at least six specific responsibilities of the sheep toward the shepherds clearly and specifically commanded. So let's roll on this. You follow with me. Number one, you are, first of all, number one, to know them. First Thessalonians 5, we exhort you, brethren, to know those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Know them. It doesn't mean you know their names. It's far more than that. It means you really, as you are a member and as you grow and you're under their care and you watch their life and trust begins to, to develop and begin to benefit from them, you have the responsibility to get to know them better. Not only to have an open heart for them to know you in a proper way, obviously, but 
you must get to know them better. So don't remain distant as a sheep. Oh, I'm, I'm scared to get close to preachers, to pastors. I got hurt one time. Well, that may have been a bad one. They're not all bad. Amen? Amen. <laughs> get to know them. Know those who labor among you. You know, I live in Texas. There's a lot of cattle there. And I used to pastor a church on a ranch in Texas that was 400,000 acre ranch. Big ranch. The little town was inside the ranch. So you know what happens when, when the cowboys come to f feed the cattle? They often bring the bales of hay or feed on a truck. They'll drive through a field, and guess who comes running? All the cows start running. They are running toward that truck, same time in morning or evening. Now, why are they doing that? They want to feed. They want to feed. They know. They know who's feeding them. But you know, if the, if the trucks pulls over by the fence outside the pasture they're in, they just keep grazing. They don't run over. Well, you know, we need to learn to run more closely toward those who truly feed us and know them. That means you know their character increasingly. You know he's a good man. You know he's a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. You know he walks with God. You know he's not a hireling. You know he has integrity. You have to know this if you're going to trust pastors. You have to know they have integrity if you're going to be able to receive from their ministry. If you don't respect them, you won't receive from their ministry from the pulpit. Know their character and their life and their doctrine in the heart. You pursue them. Don't leave their pursuit to you if you're to know them. So take up the courage and invite them out for coffee or have them over for a meal. Send them an encouraging text periodically. Know those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. You and I, as Christians and sheep then toward their shepherds, need to work at knowing them properly. Responsibility number one, know them. Secondly, next verse, verse 13, says there in 1 Thessalonians 5, and esteem them very highly in love because of their work, for their work's sake. Second responsibility, esteem them. Esteem them. It doesn't mean you put them on a pedestal wrongly. It does not mean you, you blindly follow them unconditionally. It does not mean you are to idolize them. But you are to esteem them because of the importance of their work, the gospel the care of the flock of God. There's no responsibility in New York City more important than true pastors caring for the flock of God. The kingdom of God is what's happening in New York City. It's important. So esteem them. Now this word from the Latin means estimate. Evaluate. Estimate. Study this. You estimate them because of the importance of their work. And it has within it the meaning of developing respect 
and kingdom admiration for the glory that Christ has given under shepherds to care for his sheep. Esteem them properly and honor them properly. Third responsibility, 1 Timothy 5, is support them. First one is know them. Second one is esteem them. Thirdly, you are to support them. 1 Timothy says that. Count those who labor in the word and doctrine to be worthy of double honor. Now this means support them. Various ways you support them. The context is financially, but you're to support your pastors, your elders, and your deacons too. Spiritually, with encouragement, verbal, and your life, you encourage them and you pray for them. And elders are to be supported financially. That means every saint is to give consistently and cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver, Paul said to the Corinthians. And Deuteronomy, quoted by Paul to the Corinthians, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Here's Andy treading out the corn week after week after week. He's laboring in the Word and Doctrine and other elders who teach and preach. They're laboring behind the scenes secretly for your souls to feed you the finest of the wheat, the best teaching they can give. And you feed on it with your hearts. You're like the cattle that run. You come and feed. Well, they feed you spiritually. You're to feed them physically. Don't, do not put a muzzle on them financially where they can't labor in freedom without financial pressure. The priorities of a church financially are these. The church's overhead, right? The bills, keep the lights on. Pay the bills, church's overhead. Then secondly, not missions, not feeding the poor, not other ministries first. The second priority is your pastor's support. Their financial support. Their prop, proper annual raise or every two years. Cost of living increase, right? And their retirement plan. It's the church's direct responsibility, that is the deacons and the mature church leaders, to have this on our minds and hearts. And pastors often won't bring it up. Why? Seems self-centered. It's so, Andy's in Israel. I'm here. And I'm doing it. Because I love him. He doesn't know what I'm preaching on. And he may send me an email. Mac, what were you thinking? Well, I'm in Texas. He can come and find me. Uh, recently, our, our elders, we have th three annual church retreats. We get away for three days. The first night, our deacons join us for a long evening, dinner and prayer, and it's a marvelous time. Well, this last one, our deacons, we give the whole evening on Thursday night to them, and they started it off, and they caught us by surprise. One of them said, you know, first thing on the agenda tonight None of you had, have had a raise in over, I don't know what it was, 10 years or something. So they said, it's time, it's, it's time. They brought it up. 
and they implemented it. And the elders were looking at each other. Okay. And they, they did it because they knew we weren't going to do it. Support these elders, your pastors, those who labor full-time. Support them permanently, lovingly, cheerfully, because you're supporting something greater than the man who's standing in this pulpit. You're supporting the kingdom of God advancing in the city. You are. Double honor, the long-term welfare of your shepherds. Then, number four. Well, let's, let's review. First, you're to know them. Second, you're to esteem them. Thirdly, you're to support them. Fourthly, receive no accusations against them. This one's couched in a negative term. There's something you're not to do ever. Somebody comes to you privately and they bring an accusation against an elder or a deacon too. Context of the New Testament epistles, this would include church leaders. Receive no accusation against them. 1 Timothy 5.19 literally says, Against an elder, receive not an accusation except in the presence of two or three church leaders properly. If it's something not like, you know, I ask one of our elders to call me and he hasn't called me in 24 hours. Not something petty, not something secondary, not something that kind of offends you a little bit. This would have to be something major. This would have to be a moral, moral failure approaching you wrongly about something. This would have to be a documentable, provable, major discretion that would disqualify an elder from leadership. You, you get what I mean. You're following me. You know what I mean. It's something big. But whatever, whatever the case, if someone comes to you to bring an accusation against a church leader, Paul says, don't receive it. Stop them. Stop. I don't want to hear anymore because I don't want to violate Scripture. I want to obey Scripture right here. Many gossip trains would stop if believers would just act that way. Carnal people usually are critical people, critical of people and church leaders. And they do this often to cause problems, to get attention, to want to create, manipulate uh, influence for themselves. And they spread poison and do damage. Don't be among them and don't listen to them. If anyone comes to you privately to discuss an elder, stop them. And do not receive an accusation without a proper witness there. All right. Number five, do ministry along with your elders. I don't mean here, I mean in life, in ministry, out salt and light. Be engaged in ministry with them. You are to serve the body, not just them. You are to exhort one another daily, not just exhortations from the pulpit. You're to encourage each other and bear one another's burdens. 
elders and deacons can't bear everybody's burden all the time. You get your shoulders under the, under the burdens of those among you who are hurting. You go visit and strengthen others when you hear someone's in need. They can't do it all, and they are not supposed to do it all. One of the most unbiblical ideas about church life and ministry is, well, that's what we paid the pastor to do. That's their job. No, it is our job, and it's your job as well as sheep in the flock. We're to, pastors are to feed the sheep and equip you to do ministry, which you are to be doing alongside with your church leaders. All the body, elders and deacons and church officers and the worship team leaders, all the brethren together as a body ministers and is salt and light wherever you can be it. Some of you will have more influence with Christians around you than a pastor or elder ever could have. And that's your calling to minister to others right where you are. So I've given you five so far. Know them, esteem them, support them, receive no accusation about them, and do ministry with them. Six, pray for them. How often do you pray for your elders and pastors and deacons? How often do you pray for them? Think about it. If you're a member here, this is something you can change very easily if you'll discipline yourself. How often do you pray for these leaders? They need your prayers. They long for your prayers. Paul the Apostle was always saying, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for me that. Pray for me. They need your prayers daily. It might be your prayer individually one day for Andy when he's discouraged that might raise him up. God will answer your prayer. And you're, you're being a priest unto God for your pastor. What an honor that is to pray for your leaders. Your prayers can make all the difference. Only a pastor knows how hard it is to keep preaching through times of physical weakness, family pressures, discouragement or depression, satanic attacks. I'm telling you, the enemy of our soul wants to attack our church leaders. And he is prowling about as, as a roaring lion seeking to find somebody he can devour. And he goes to the door of elders and deacons' houses. He wants in somehow. If he can attack the shepherds, the sheep will scatter, right? Your elders need your prayers, brethren. Pray for them. Your prayers directly minister to and change things. So that's what you're to do for them. Number seven, see Hebrews 13, 7. We read it. Very important verse. Remember them. Consider continually those who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow or imitate and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That is, 
as they follow Christ and you observe them following Christ, responding biblically, loving people, being an example, the the doctrine they preach that's right from Scripture and you know it's scriptural, as you see them and their manner of life and ministry being biblical, imitate their faith. Follow them. Follow their example as they follow Christ. Obey their teaching when it's accurately the Word of God. Now, we need to be faithful Bereans. What did they do? They checked out Paul, made sure he was Bible. So we're to do that too. You are to take heed to their personal counsel when it's based on Scripture, even if you don't like it at times. That doesn't mean every opinion they have was written on Mount Sinai, no. They have opinions about things you consider, but if they're coming to you with counsel that's that's clearly biblical and scriptural, um, I don't think you should marry that guy. You know, I know you like him, but you know, he's a Muslim, right? Follow their counsel when it's biblical. I've seen people go against counsel of pastors and they married people and the marriage is a wreck 12 months later because they shouldn't have married them. But they didn't listen to their shepherds. They are your shepherds under Christ, the chief shepherd. And they must, Scripture says, we will give an account for our care of the flock on that great day. That's why it must be taken seriously. What your elders need, what is right to give to them in summary, is your support, your continued prayers, your encouragement, your gratitude. They are Christians first. They are flesh and blood men first. They get discouraged. They get sad. They get down. They get tired. Some days they may walk in and they're getting ready to preach. You don't know that they've been hurting and discouraged and, and they're, they feel very weak and they get up here and they have to feed you. You don't know that. Encouragement and gratitude is what you can bring regularly. Bring words to them that are genuine and appreciative. Bring friendship as a brother or a sister to them. Bring ears to hear on Sunday where in your heart you're sitting on the edge of the seat longing to be fed the words of Christ. Bring more prayer and bring above all, bring love to them. Love them sincerely. What they don't need from members is a critical eye and a checklist. Oh, I think he did good on this one. Check. No, he didn't on this one. Check. They don't need a critical eye and a critical spirit and a critical heart. They don't need fault finders. They don't need people talking about them rather than to them. They don't need you withholding yourselves from them spiritually if you're going to care for them. They don't need you keeping your life at a distance spiritually from them. 
Help them to pastor you where it's a joy and not a groaning. The greatest blessing pastors can ever have is Christ-like, godly, humble, loving sheep. So be that by God's grace increasingly for your shepherds or for any pastor that you may ever have. Pastors need the most committed, faithful, dependable, loving church members possible. And here's what that'll do. Number one, it'll edify the church. Number two, it will strengthen and encourage your elders. And number three, and most, most importantly, it will glorify your Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom is all the glory in the church forever, right? The greatest blessing in the church is usually the most faithful and loving sheep in the church. May God grant us as believers to be that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, by the Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would seal my words that have been true and accurate by your Spirit to the blessing of every heart here. Anything that I said that was not of you, Lord, let it fall to the ground and be forgotten. But everything that was of you, seal it in hearts and let it bear fruit for your glory and the long-term good of this church. I pray your blessing, Lord, on the officers of this church, on the worship team, on all the leaders and the servants, and on all the flock. May the grace of God, may the love of Christ and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon them this day and in the days ahead this year in an increasing way for the glory of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. Thank you for giving me the privilege of being with you this morning.